0: The Spirit of Jazz podcast, where music dances with mystery, with your hosts, Bill Carter and Jeff Kellum.
1: Welcome to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is Bill Carter. It's good to have you back listening to us.
0: And this is Jeff Kellum. It's good to have me back talking. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, we got a special guest today. You met him on a cruise. Yes, I did. And, and uh, I, I was going to uh, quote from Michael Steffen's book called Experiencing Jazz, a book, Bill, that you gave me uh, for Christmas. And just by accident, I'm reading about the drummers. And I'd like to quote here Matt Wilson, a master drummer of great breadth and depth who approaches every performance with daring, humor, and imagination no matter what the setting that's cool. Wow. That's,
1: wow. that's very nice. Yeah. It? Hey, so, man, welcome. It's good to have you on, a, on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah.
0: When I, I, Matt and I talked uh, on the ship, we talked about, um, I, I wanted to f- kind of frame the uh, conversation in terms of the body, mind, and spirit of drumming. As Matt talked about the body, he couldn't help but start bringing in the spirit. And we, then we talked about the mind and, uh, the spirit came in again and we didn't have to get to the spirit part because it was, it was just all there enmeshed. So Bill, Matt Wilson, Bill Carter.
1: Yeah, great. pleasure great to meet you.
0: Yeah. I, you. I, I've heard you many times with
1: my good friend, Bill Mays. I think the first time was at the WVIA studios and what I, which is the public TV radio station out where I live. And what I loved about it was your energy and the fact that uh, after one tune, you just broke out in laughter.
0: Yeah
1: and i thought man this is it he's got a good spirit yeah the uh that that trio with we're referring to is the great
2: bill mays with martin wind we've we had we've had a long time relationship and when we we've played recently in the last couple of years again and it's always just it just uh it's so so welcoming you know Mm -hmm. and bill's a master at at colors and blend and all kinds you know i mean he uh, there was a nice radio show that some couple of people from the West Coast do. Basically, during COVID, they did this and they've continued it. Uh, and they focus in on Los Angeles, you know, based people or have been there. And uh, the one a few months ago on Bill was fantastic. I remember I was uh, cooking dinner and tuned in while it was going on. It was great to hear him with-
0: So Bill mentioned um, you're you're smiling during that uh, WVIA performance and and. One of the things that this book mentioned was a, a humor, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about this basically, or, or uh, just a little bit on the ship about wh- where does this humor come in in playing? Is it just the joy of playing, or are you, you're not doing comedic stuff just to get a laugh? You're just enjoying. No, the,
2: the... I mean sometimes it depends. No, but <laughs> it's we talked about this like, like a broad range of emotions. Kind of came too from the groups I saw when I was younger. You know, that's what I saw when I saw Dizzy or I saw Count Basis band when I was a kid or Louis Belson. Mr. Belson, I got to see a lot. and He was always so joyful, and so positive, not if not the nicest guy in, in jazz history. One of the I have to say, you have to be in the top. So, you know, I just saw that and I thought, oh, you know, that's part of what we do. And it kind of aligns with the way I am anyway. But I feel like with with humor, if you can. If you can make people laugh, you have more of a chance of making them cry. Hmm. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of reminiscent to me of when there were dramatic episodes of beloved sitcoms, yeah, sure, Mash or right. like, Good Times or All All in the Family or uh-huh. whatever. You know, when there were crises, there we de- we related to them. If it's all serious all the time, then the music, you know, the serious part's not going to be there. And the people I've worked with a lot really explore those broad range of emotions, you know, work. I mean, play is the right word, but, you know, people like Dewey Redman and Charlie Hayden and folks like Mm. that. We we explored such a a wide range of of emotions within this, along with tempos and dynamics and keys and all that. And also anything that we can do to make it more vulnerable. Mm. Vulnerability is one of the things that lets us in to a situation as players, but also as listeners. That's what's great about this music, I believe, is when we hear the wrinkles, we're experiencing the wrinkles or the adventure at the same time, it, it lets us, it really does let us in. So I, I believe that's kind of one of the qualifications. And I think the the daring aspect of it, which which Michael's described, yeah, I think that's part of it too. I mean, Sid Catlett was beloved by Lester Young because he didn't have to think about, Mr. Young didn't have to think about what was going on back there. Now, the opposite end of that, is I played for 12 years with Dewey Redmond from December of 94 until he passed in 2006. But he told me, he says, Matthew, I've been playing with the great drummer Paul Motion because I've been playing with him for 40 years. I still can't figure out what is going on back there. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, at the same time that we want to be comfortable in Uh this, we also want to be things that that provoke. You know, that insight, you know, that that steer it, that allow it to go different places. So we, we care, but we don't want it to be careful and we don't want it to be care less. You know, yeah. we want to find that fine line between between all that. But if it's safe, you know, it's really not as much of an adventure. Yeah. So I like it when it has that danger side in all kinds of music. You know, you can sense that there's a great Aaron Copeland quote about that where, you know, if there's danger in a performance there's a certain amount, again, that vulnerability or that accessibility that is welcomed in that. You know,
1: well, it's it's so deeply human what yeah. you're describing, and I think that's where the, the spirit really meets us. It's it's that vulnerability that you know I'm going to mm-hmm. take a leap without a safety net here. I'm just going to yeah. jump and see what happens.
2: Exactly. As a matter of fact, we have this Christmas trio that plays, and we somebody described our performances as a moniker for a certain university that was that produced a lot of artists which was leap before you look so uh, you know which is being danger I mean danger in music is not danger like climbing a mountain or you know flying a plane but you know there is we want to have that and so sometimes people are pretty careful about you know not they don't at the risk of not sounding good you know they'll sacrifice that which is okay I, I understand but when you really live like this, um, yeah, it's it's always fun.
0: But what an exciting performance when the the drummer is risking and then the sax player is risking and the pianist is risking. Yeah. You you can feel that, that both the, the tension and the release at the same time.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we feel welcomed into, like I said earlier, welcomed into the proceedings that way, ushered into proceedings that way. It's nice to hear, like... Go back and listen to records that you really love, and you're like, listen Oh wow, that they kind of had to adjust there. Wow, they're human, you know. <laughs> Miles Davis's groups were human, you know. John Coltrane's groups were human, you know. So it's right. nice to see that 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 possibility there. So vulnerability is a big part of it, and that sense of you know danger that that performance could get out of hand. That's qu- quoting Mr. Copeland, you know, that' yeah. that and excitement.
1: looking over a, a transcription that Steve Kahn the guitarist had done of Herbie Hancock's solo on the Miles Davis performance of the Wayne shorter tune Pinocchio yeah and Herbie adds two measures to the musical form and everybody just kind of goes with it like solid okay whatever I mean there's a elasticity here yeah at which would be totally lost on a lot of our students who are learning to play a tune and stick to 16 bars And there he is adding two more. Yeah.
2: In the words of my dear friend Stefan Harris, it's not a mistake, it's welcoming a new opportunity. You know, so you know, and then in in Herbie's book Possibilities, he talks about that. He does. And where he talks about where he, you know, played something that was obviously not right and Miles kind of gave a look, but then took it and took music and and allowed music to to another something else to emerge from it. So I think that's part of that too, is is letting go and especially when people are really going for it. You know what I mean? There's that, yeah. that sense of adventure that you that we want to be part of, that we want to welcome, that we, that we thrive about being. And it's great to be, you know, I've been really fortunate to be around some real improvisers. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, there, there are people that solo, and then there are improvisers. <laughs> Lee Konitz was an improviser. Didn't play licks per se. It was truly in the moment. Steve Nelson, the great, Vibraphonist, I feel is 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 a you know truly great improviser. Another person I just got, I got a chance to play with him last year, who I've been a big fan of for many years because it was recordings with Don Cherry and all kinds of folks. But Carl Berger, the great vibraphonist, just, mm-hmm. there's a, I mean there's a lot of people. Billy Drews, Joe Lovano, I mean the list goes on. On Steve Kahn, you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's so many great, but when you really get up there, and they're like in it for that moment, so liberating, so beautiful. It's and it, it inspires you again where where someone takes those chances that kind of gives everybody else permission. Hmm. If everything's careful, then it'll be like, oh, yeah, all right, we'll play. But you know, Buster Williams goes for it. You know, I've played so many nights with him where wow, we levitated basically. And <laughs> and you know, there you go. I mean, it's it's you've got to, you know, in the words of Will Rogers, you've got to go you got to go far out on that limb to find out how too how far too far is. And if you play
1: it safe okay so tell us a little bit you know how do you develop this quality of spirit this quality of heart and mind i mean it i mean i i had friends growing up when i was a teenager who were uh, risky friends <laughs> they were just mostly getting in trouble but yeah how do you develop this as a musician and then as a person i mean it not by doing flim flams on the practice pad
2: no, you you know what I I tell I, I tell students all the time we, we, and myself, you you want to have you wanna find mentors, you want to find guides that help you with the physical aspect of playing the instrument because that's where the the body comes in. The we physically produce the sound, whether and, and every instrument has its own physical demands as far as producing sound, melody, rhythm, etc., cetera, et cetera. Each so, instrument trumpet is mouthpiece and valves saxophone is mouthpiece with reed with keys drums viola accordion and so the physical aspect of it is key so i think one of the things is is we want to have as resistant free friendship with the instrument as possible right that allows the ideas to come out too and then at the same time you want to have an imagination so what i tell students is you want to find somebody that helps you physically play the instrument and be friends with you, but, but also cultivate your imagination so that you, you know, because to me, creativity, imagination is basically, it's either one of two things, new solutions to something that's already there, or you don't have any other way. So you just have to come up with something. field experience was a term that my father used to use, you know, yeah. because we do it, we deal with it all the time. You come home and like, you look in the pantry and you go, this is what I have to make. What am I going to do with this as far as dinner? Right. So sometimes, you know, it comes out of out of need, you know, you have to come up with something. So you want to welcome all the possibilities as possible. So I think part of the daring too came from, or part of that kind of assurance and it wavers, you know, like everything is, (laughs) is being encouraged, you know, and I, I, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know any better. So I, I'm kind of glad that I was thrown in situations where I was playing the music more than I was learning it. You know what I mean, or making decisions about what what it was or what it wasn't, and so I just was playing all the time. You know, as a little kid, I just got a chance to play with older people, and and I was luckily a victim of seven late seventies budget cuts. Because if I wouldn't have had that happen, I don't think I would have had this relationship with the community of musicians. I would have been around my peers, but I, I wouldn't have been kicked out of the nest per se and had to go out and explore with these older musicians. So I learned a lot socially about the music and how fun it was and how serious people were about it also mm-hmm. so it was yeah. nice it was actually a, a nice accident to have happen
1: so it's learning to uh dance without a safety net
2: yeah and not to be afraid to not have it be you know i have a, a, a one of my i have a few ones one of them is the answer is yes if it's legal and <laughs> and even if it's not and the other one is no expectations no disappointments so in other words i have standards Right. I want things to be at a level because if everybody's present, that's going to be happening. But you cannot predict what's going to happen. And if you try to, then you're kind of taking away this part of it, too. So some folks have a tendency like, okay, they're going to plan out how this concert's going to go. I learned that a long time ago that, you know, the more you just let go, the more more satisfied, you know, you're just going to. And it's also it's just another day. You know, it's like one gig is not going to make or break your, you know, Career, you, you play and you, you re- literally just go out and have as much fun with it as possible, but still learn from each situation and try to figure out how to come in and improve so that you can blend. So you can, most important, I believe, welcome other people to find that. I mean, that to me is if everybody goes out and helps everybody else's sound, then we're really doing it. And the song, I mean, the song is our biggest friend, but if we go out and help everybody else's sound, not just the rhythm section doing that, but everybody. And they also, this feeling that we're allowing everybody to be felt and heard. You know, that to me is one of the major things. It doesn't matter what instrument, it doesn't matter the style, it doesn't matter whatever. You know, freedom to me is when you feel that you're being felt and heard and respected by everybody up there. Yeah. And there's no hierarchy. And I, I believe that's something I've discovered in the last couple of years that feeling of has nothing to do with style or genre because it's about just how people's you know, countenance is when it comes to, to doing this. So I think, yeah, Yeah. that kind of, that kind of feeling is, is, Hmm. is essential for me. You know, that's what I look for. It's what I live for.
0: Let me, let me dig back just a minute and, and ask why drums for you? Uh, What of all the instruments you might've played? What was it that, uh, that led you into drumming? And you also uh, talked about how you're, you had to adjust your body to play drums.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was born with club foot. I should actually grab one of the casts upstairs, but so I've had on my left leg, I've had 27 casts from the, from the day I was born. So I've had casts to straighten out the foot. And then I had an operation after kindergarten and I just to, to lengthen my Achilles tendon. And then I had an operation after first grade to, to switch some cords around then i had an operation in eighth grade to move my kneecap over because as i grew everything was kind of out of a line i have two different size feet i mean my these are um europeans use so like uh 42 44 so i nordstrom sells me one pair it was one of the greatest shopping days of my entire life and uh so yeah i've had you know i've had to deal with you know i i can't i i had to deal with and part of that was my mom always felt that the reason I played the drums is because because I had these cast on. She would just put stuff around me, toys. So I had my I would sit on the floor and have all these things around me, and then music was a big part of it. So she, we had the, you know the console TV with the stereo built into it, which did sound pretty good actually. Where you stack the records, so my mom would just stack records, and that was my vibe. I loved playing along with the music or doing stuff with the music, whether it was. I think there you know might have been some march records we had and a record of Yellow La of Texas I remember playing along you know just sitting there doing stuff and then you know pop records or something like that but Louis Prima we had a we had a, a Disney record that of Jungle Book and Louis Prima is you know right on that and then I I always thought that was Louis Armstrong in my brain you know because so, I saw the, I saw him on television so then I learned you know Louis Armstrong the greatest american ever you know i was interested in the trumpet too i kind of wanted to do that and then but then i saw buddy rich on the lucy show in second grade and that kind of changed my trumpet (laughs) you know know, that was something that i could do i mean i remember watching that and then getting those the paper that was that would be between hangers for pants from the dry cleaner back and then play you know until they bent or whatever but i grew up in the lutheran church as a kid and we did a musical it was like the 70s when when it was still kind of devil music to have amplified or the drum set or something, even then, you know, early seventies. Right. And I can still remember how the songs went and there was a really good drummer that played that. So he had his drum set there. He went to Gellsberg high school at the time. So I went up and I just tried it. and I could actually kind of do it. So I think that was part of it too. There was some sort of um, relationship that I had with it kind of already, I think. And, and it kind of came easy to me. I'm not easy, but it was something I could, I had an affinity for, I guess is the right word. Yeah.
0: yeah. Bill has told a story of, of de- devil music in church. Remember Bill, uh-huh. when you played the piano yeah. in some sort of skit in church.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a ragtime for a skit about the prodigal son. And it yeah. stops me at the door and says, never heard that here before. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. come on, man. And and that's a lot of what I do is now play jazz in churches.
2: You know, I was thinking about that the other day on the radio, you know, there was a version, remember when the, there was a, catholic nun that had a top 40 hit with the lord's prayer yeah there was another spanish nun that might have had one and then with stuff with god spell and everything like that that was kind of a thing in the 70s is mm-hmm. you know to have that happen so the drums in, in in a sanctuary like that were cool it's funny i just went back there and recorded in that very sanctuary duo with letterer because i made i made this film and we recorded stuff all around knox county where i'm from okay. and uh we recorded some the Beautiful sounding sanctuary, this, this uh, mm. church, you know, in Galesburg, First Lutheran Church, Swedish Lutheran Church. So,
0: yeah. Mm.
2: Mm. So it was nice, you know, that, and then also to have the, that community be very supportive of, of, uh, of the music. Matter of fact, you know, our organist at that church, her son was second horn, I think, in the New York, in the Metropolitan Orchestra here, the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. And of course, at my high school, I don't know if we talked about this, Jeff, but at my high school, Knoxville High School in 1942, 40 years before I graduated, Armando Gatala was there, who was the principal trumpeter of the Boston Symphony for many years. And uh, a, re- a revered teacher uh, was, went, one was one of Winton's teachers, was Ron Miles' teacher, right. you know, and so, yeah, he was around. And so I met him as a, you know, as a kid. And I remember him saying, you know, you want to do this. And he goes, you better, you're you, you going to want to you got, you got to want to practice. You got to like practicing and you're going to have to practice. And so I remember saying, yes, sir. I would, you know, so I got to meet him or see him again. I was doing a concert in Ann Arbor, probably 30 years ago, a little bit more. And he was on faculty there, emeritus faculty. So I got to well, I just watched him in a masterclass. Just listen to trumpet players was an education in itself. But the, what the advice that he offered, everything was fantastic. So you know, now I tell the story to all my trumpet friends. They're like, oh, Armando Gatala went to your high school. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's around. You know, I mean, inspiration is around. this and. Where I grew up was very, very much that way. I mean, I learned so much about music and um, socially and and everything, you know, about how the about what it can be. So I was very fortunate to have
0: that. Happening. Thanks for listening to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is a production of Presbybop Music. To find out more about Presbybop, our music, concerts, and recordings. Please explore our website at .com, com, and send us a note telling us what you think about the spirit of jazz. We'd love to hear from you. Check in with us again next time. I'm Jeff Kellum. And I'm Bill Carter. Thanks for tuning in.